Welcome everyone to the Runways Rundown podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Marvel Runaways podcast. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody here today to talk to you about the Runaways season two panel at New York Comic Con. Now, we are going to be mostly spoiler-free, maybe a little spoiler-teasing, but nothing from that uh, second-season premiere episode, which we were lucky to see with, uh, with the many there assembled at the Hulu Theater, the appropriately named the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. Uh, we, uh, we're not going to share any of those particular details uh, too specifically, so we can all watch it and enjoy it together December 21st on Hulu. Yeah, um, it was certainly a surprise to see one, unlike season one, uh, Runaways will drop all of its episodes at once on December 21st. And two, that their order went up from 10 episodes to 13 episodes almost had us wondering, Matt, did they pick up the three episodes that Iron Fist lost going from 13 to 10. Does Danny Rand of Rand Enterprises show up in uh, Brentwood this season to hang out with some youths? <laughs> well, that is probably not going to happen if only because uh, the Marvel and the Netflix and the Hulu and the, the divides that divide uh, the different corners of the uh, nonetheless all-encompassing MCU um, that point of the fidelity of the MCU was, of course, made by Jeff Loeb at another Marvel panel, which we'll be discussing on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and on the Daredevil feed uh, a little bit later this week. But tomorrow, Matt. Tomorrow, indeed. Uh, Jeff Loeb, also the MC for uh, for this panel, as he so often is. And uh, Pete, this is this is the closest that we've been to the man since the one time uh, we saw him doing a signing, got some stuff signed. We had uh, primo seats there, and uh, and I don't know, he was in he was in the normal Jeff Loeb running a panel form. Yeah, we were trying to anticipate what he would divide the theater with in his little chant shtick before he brought the cast out. Uh, whether it would be because, you know, last year it was Marvel Runaways on Hulu. And this year he just went with Runaways and Pride. We were on the Pride side um, before the uh, the kids, Matt, came out on stage to a wonderful reception, especially having gotten that freshman season in and being a known quantity now. Yes, seeing Renzi and Lyrica and Virginia and Ariella and Greg and Allegra, certainly a, a wonderful experience. Um, I don't think we, with the exception of the Mortal Engines panel, which we discussed on our NYCC extravaganza, I don't think we've ever seen a panel where people are... Um, you know, have low energy, but you could tell these are still actors in the beginning of their career, actors who are thrilled to have a successful show, have it renewed, be here doing more press, uh, etc. And I don't know, they brought just an enjoyment of the of the product and of the fans that, again, I think most people bring, but it just, it really, you could see it shining with each and every one of them. This was a midday panel. Uh, it happened 
was the second panel of uh, the day on Friday after that Mortal Engines one that you, you mentioned before that was disappointing for its size. While this didn't fill up the 5,000 seats of uh, the Hulu Theater at uh, MSG, few did, um, there was an energy to this that was lacking from the previous one. And while Marvel had a television, Jeff Loeb might have looked around a little bit and, and said, you know, wait, is that all that there is here? The people who were there were super passionate about this property. Yeah, I think maybe from a scheduling point of view, obviously this is a show that skews a little longer, uh, longer than, younger than, uh, you know, maybe some of the TV MA, TV 18, whatever you want to call it, stuff that's on Netflix. So having it start at 2, 2.30 in the afternoon, you know, on a Friday, was that the best choice? Mm. You know, I also don't know what other scheduling considerations there were in terms of, you know, other other things on the panel, or other things on the stage, rather. I also don't know, you know, I mean, Friday did sell out for tickets, so maybe they were surprised by the lack of attendance there. Who knows? You know, the, the Reed Pop people, the Marble uh, people can figure that out, uh, you know, for next year, but... But it was great seeing those kids up on the stage, Pete. And of course, as it turns out, they weren't the only ones from the show that were that were present in the building. They weren't. Uh, we had three of the parents, but they were tucked actually kind of like over our shoulder in the audience and uh, never brought up on stage. So, you know, no respect for the the pride, Matt, who I think, you know, for for the role they have in the show do as as good a job as the kids. Uh, we know that both Wilder parents were there. Angel uh, Parker was specifically name checked. Um, I didn't catch the other two. Uh, you seem to be pretty uh, pretty confident that Ryan Sands, that um, Alex's father, was there as well. Couldn't tell you who the other one is, and I just wish they had been brought on stage there after we got the season two premiere. Yeah, I definitely agree. Though the kids are the engine of this show, I think the, the parents, you know, the parents are the villains, and it's a great, um, I don't know, it's a great counterpoint to those kids, and I don't know why they brought them on stage, Pete, but I do have a sneaking suspicion why. They were given 90 minutes, Pete, and gee whiz, pause. <laughs> Jeff Loeb just didn't know how to fill those 90 minutes. So, pause, they did a little skit. They did, and uh, it it was cute. Um, the, the one thing that kind of uh, worked its way in there is – uh, Loeb is, is hitting each of the, uh, the teens with a, a question. Greg Salkin, who plays, uh, Chase specifically mentioned that, you know, as they did their second season, um, it was much easier in terms of having the, the effects and the physicality and just kind of knowing, you know, they, they had the dinosaur before, um, but it was like, all right, and there'll be a dinosaur over here or with his fistigons, you know, and, and that's how he tried to get, um, get Jeff Loeb to show the, uh, the clip there by, you know, pointing his, his fists at him. He was told when they were filming the first season, okay, you'll point your fists and there's going to be a white light to come out of it. And, 
and the whole nine yards. And now having done a season and, and watching it, that they were a little more native to the language visually of the show. But he couldn't persuade uh, Jeff to show the clip, Matt. No, he couldn't. And oh, man. What would that mean? And again, I mean, really early on in the panel, Jeff Loeb's like, maybe we could show a scene and somebody from the back is like, show the whole first episode. <laughs> because Pete, that w- I honestly can't remember at this point if that was part of the official description, but they left 90 minutes. That's always yeah. That always means they're going to show more than a clip or two. And gee whiz, Pete, it was a 90-minute Runaways panel last year and they showed the pilot and it was, you know... And so on and so on. And it's a little, that's something that maybe Marvel needs to refresh ever so slightly. The notion, <laughs> surprise, surprise, we're going to show you the whole episode. Um, because that's what they do with 90-minute episodes. Maybe the only exception was the Daredevil one, which we'll talk about in due course. But, right, you know, that had a larger cast and so on and so forth. But, Pete, uh, you know. Chase, aka Greg Sulkin, couldn't make it happen. So then it turns, uh, you know, it turns to Lyrica to maybe use some of her her magic as Nico. You found this cute. I was just like, this is dumb. You're, th- I, I don't know, whatever. Maybe, I, maybe I somewhere in the middle. I thought it. I thought it was completely uh, adorable. Uh, and of course, she makes it happen. And um, we can't tell you about season two's premiere however we're going to why can't we pete because uh reasons because jeff Loeb made everyone in the room (laughs) promise and jeff Loeb is a nice nice man but i have no doubt that those marvel security people that he mentions each time who have night vision goggles which we haven't always seen but we have seen people with night vision goggles before pete i'm worried they're going to come in through the window here so we got to abide what what the man says. Yes. So we're going to hint very strongly at uh, what happens in that first outing at uh, the uh, the second season. And of course, uh, when December 21st uh, comes around that day, you will get our uh, podcast for that episode as long as, as long uh, along with the 12 others uh, soon after. Yeah, and I think that is that's that's some of the best news to come out of it, that confirmation of all the episodes dropping. And then to tie that with the enthusiasm that we have and the enthusiasm that we're gonna tease a little bit with now from that, you know, episode two oh one, it really is such a fun, energetic show and the ability to not need to wait one week in between episodes and to really hit all these episodes at whatever speed you want, that's super exciting. So let me start off, Matt, by saying that there is one recurring cast member from season one who is now a regular. How long that person will be in the cast. I think that's TBD, even just from little little hints given uh, in the episode. Pete, here's another hint. The season opens with a great gag straight out of Spaceballs. What? Yes, uh, that is a movie, uh, dear listeners, if you're, you know, of the age of the runaways from 1987. And uh, so if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. And uh, one of those gags is essentially repeated to tremendous effect in the opening scene. Co-showrunner Stephanie Savage was there. Josh Schwartz was not. So, Pete, is it going to be that the Schwartz was not with us? I guess it's, so. 
It's maybe. Uh, there was a chase. Chase. Uh, that must have been fun for them to write in the script. I bet that cracked them up in the uh, in the writer's room. Uh, Pete, we see more Old Lace in season two. And uh, again, not spoiling anything here. Old Lace looking great this season. Yeah, one of the most tantalizing things for me initially about this show was like, well, well, wait, one of them has a dinosaur. How are they going to handle that? What's, what's going to happen with it? And they did not take shortcuts in the first season, but there were places where, okay, we're going to put it under this and it's behind here and you can't see it. And already in that season two premiere, um, there's a far greater presence for old lace. Another one, Matt, uh, of course, everybody knows the runaways uh, find a new home once they've run away. Um, and this season is, you know, big into the comics now that they've become who their identity is. But pride gets spiffy new digs as well. Not unlike uh, the look to Fantastic headquarters, maybe. <laughs> Um, another little tidbit we want to tease here. Alex is asked by Darius to do a dirty deed. Pete, <gasps> lots of potential, potential dirtiness in this dirty deed. A lot, you know, something when you're done, you're going to have to wash a lot out of your hands, that kind of thing. Yeah. Them dirty deeds done dirt cheap. I was particularly, um, enthralled by the return of, uh, of Darius here for season two, um, at least in the premiere. We've not seen past that to this point, but um, I think Devon Nixon um, between menace and some charm in season one, uh, there's a lot of possibilities with his uh, presence for season two. Matt, speaking seriously now, there is a death of a relative of one of the kids in this episode. That's all I can tell you. I can't, I can't go into any more detail than that. As fun as the show can be as silly as it can be at times, this was a, a moment that was certainly well-earned and, you know, kind of had that proper serious weight to it. Pete, a little more uh, intangible, a little more out there. We find out that Victor is trying to get back to the future. Is there a DeLorean in it? No, but still, he's trying to get back to the future. Listen, if Victor Stein invents hoverboards, we all win. Because, Matt, I know you know, we were told there'd be hoverboards. That is so true, Pete. That is so true. Still trying to get there. Still trying to get there. Jonah, and not Jonah uh, from New York Comic Con, but Jonah that's an inside joke for anybody that knows New York Comic Con. We'll we'll flesh that out in a second. But Jonah uh, of the Runaways is in contact with one of our Runaways, leading to astonished gasps from the thousands there assembled. Pete, my voice was one of them too. Let's explain who Jonah from New York Comic Con is, Matt. Who I did not see at this panel. He he attended. He probably had school. It probably did have school. I know for certain um, we heard him at the Daredevil panel. He asked the first question. And, of course, all of the Marvel talent 
from Jeff Loeb on down, Charlie Cox, uh, know who he is. I mean, he probably goes to school with the Runaways uh, mm-hmm. cast members who got special dispensation to come and, and do this panel. Yeah, Jonah is a young man who has uh, been at been in the front row of every Marvel TV panel uh, we've been to. Again, maybe with the exception of this Runaways one, um, I know uh, I, I know he always he kind of gets the early access to the lion. Uh, a little unclear as to how and why, but uh, but he does, and and good on you. Um, and he's usually one of the first ones to ask a question. And I mean, no joke, Pete, we have seen him over the past four or five years kind of go from, hi, I'm a little kid to he gets up there and Jeff Loeb says, hi, Jonah, before he says anything. Yeah. And, you know, and Jonah now has a, maybe not down here, but Jonah's voice has gone from up here to, you know, the voice of a, a, a of a young man in his mid teens. Jonah um, is shaving. He had a tie on. Okay. He had more hair than I've ever had. And you know what? Jonah is part and parcel of Marvel New York Comic Con. Uh, I just I just wish he was in on this Runaways panel here because we could have had Jonah ask a question about Jonah. No joke. We have been on line for panels and he has walked by and complete strangers to us next to us have been like, dude. Dude, that's Jonah. Like one guy says to the to his friend, like, "Oh my goodness, was that Jonah?" And it's like, "We'll make new friends over Jonah. We'll have this moment." Like, "Oh, I saw him last year and two years ago. Oh, I saw him at this." And he's 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 NYCC royalty, Pete. He is. So, how does episode one of season two, Matt, end? It ends with a beginning, uh, which is not a bad place to be at the beginning of a season. It was not. And overall, um, I, I said this off mic to um, Matt. I forgot how much I enjoy The Runaways as a TV show. Um, there is a zip to this show in general. There's particular zip to this episode. I can only think of one moment that purposefully brought down uh, the pace of the show because it needed to. Um, but really, really enjoyed this. I was so ready for the, the Hulu logo to, to ask me if I wanted to watch the next episode. Well, I mean, I don't know how this show has done relative to other Hulu shows. I know I got the subscription somewhat grudgingly, uh, you know, because we had been back and forth before the, the, the first runaways panel last year to be podcast this show, blah, blah, blah. Saw the first episode and it's like, yep. This is for us. Uh, Pete, I have yet to get rid of Hulu between Runaways and ER and Top Chef and Handmaid's Tale. Um, Probably critically, I should have put Handmaid's Tale before that. But, you know, I'm getting my point being I'm getting value in a lot of areas from it. Um, And it's super easy to cancel. It's not like I feel tied into it. It's just this was my entrance to Hulu and I, I have yet to look back. So they're doing something right there. And I think Marvel is smart in that. You know, they've not just got ABC. Who knows for how long, though? Okay, who knows for how long on network television in general? And I say that as somebody who's, you know, trying to crack into the industry as a as a writer. Um, But then, you know, with Netflix, with Hulu, with uh, Freeform, okay, who knows what Disney play could mean for. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe TV. 
uh, once that's, uh, you know, firmed up. But, you know, having this Hulu entry and having it hit the the sweet spot of, you know, the teen, just the little after teen content. I mean, geez, I'm 43 and I enjoy the heck out of the show, particularly because of the way it captures um, these young people in this current age. And that's what it keeps coming back to is there's a universality to the high school experience. And then you add kind of the, the second level of universality in terms of it's a, it's a, uh, a diverse bunch and, and all of that. Then you add to it, you know, Pete, we were talking uh, before we recorded. I'll leave out the specifics because it's, uh, it's not apropos to the central discussion here. But, you know, we were sharing some stories of, uh, you know, embarrassing things our own parents have done. So we might be in the middle of life and have parents who are retirees, but it still is like, Oh man, mom, dad, what do you mean? You're actually not heroes. You're villains. What did you do? Uh, in the church Gaborum there, you know, it's, <laughs> it still is universal, even though it's so kind of far from the average experience. And by the church of Gaborum, uh, we mean Facebook. <laughs> yes. Yes. Quite a cult indeed. Uh, well, Pete, we must mention that the uh, the panel concluded with a Q&A that Jeff Loeb um, prognosticated would be a disaster, and it kind of sort of was. Yeah, when he tells people up front, uh, all right, we're going to do lightning round. We only got a couple minutes left. We're going to do yes or no Q&A only. And the first like five straight questions was open-ended questions. Um so, yeah, we got to do fans. We got to do a little bit of a better job with that. Think of a yes or no question and uh, ask that instead of, you know, some of the inane questions that get asked. And I understand it. You're your fans. You're a little bit starstruck. You know, you're not professional interviewers. You've not been trained in that. I know you can ask it a yes or no question. I believe in you. Yeah, and I think it's something that maybe, you know, New York Comic Con or conventioneers in general want, want to look at. Are there ways where you can still have that fan access moment without it just turning into this kind of cloying, you know, well, let me tell you a story about this and that the other. And it's like, you know, when there's, when it's not kind of conducive to a, to a, 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 a big discussion or discussion that's kind of benef benefiting the audience completely assembled. So whatever didn't take away from a fantastic experience, seeing the season two premiere and seeing that cast and seeing Jeff Loeb talk about the show. Certainly none of this would have been possible. Our trip to New York comic con, the podcast we're bringing you right now, Hulu access without our tremendous patrons from patreon.com. Indeed, Pete. They are like our own magic staves keeping us going. And uh, people head over to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Certainly see how to help us with the, the bandwidth and the storage costs, etc. We also have some goodies along the way. In fact, patrons, uh, we're going to be uh, sending out a little post uh, this upcoming weekend to uh, talk about sharing a little of the bounty that we got at New York Comic Con with you. Also some other goodies there in the hopper, but we'll, we'll talk about that later, Pete. Um, but as always, we want to say thanks to those that support us. Whether you want to contribute at the Get Pete a Dinosaur level 
or uh, just that uh, Matt needs a, a new technical wizard staff in order to save all these files that we're amassing. I mean, we're we're closing in on 300 episodes of MCU TV, all done by Fantastic Geek, the only podcast out there to do it all. Uh, everybody's going to get exclusive podcast content via patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pete, also the only podcast where people can be in touch with you. How can people do so on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,057 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. And just a tip on that, whether you're following us at the Fantastic Geek pop culture podcast feed, the PCP, as we call it in-house, or if you take the Facebook route and you like us on Facebook, you will get exposed to everything that we do. We get it. Some of you just are here for runaways, and that's fine. We have 14 other fine podcast feeds. Recently added God Friended Me, which is new to CBS. We've got Star Trek Discovery. We're bringing you uh, a little later this week, as long with all of the other Marvel goodness. Well, Pete... We will be back on the Pop Culture Podcast feed tomorrow talking Star Trek Discovery. If Runaways is just your thing, we will be back, oh, probably in the next couple months to uh, get warmed up for that Season 2 drop right at the end of December there. And then, of course, once December 20 hits, Pete, we are going to try and crank out quality coverage of every episode as soon as possible. Make some hay during those, uh, during those holiday days. Absolutely. So anxious to have that conversation with our listeners. Well, with that, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final Runaways NYCC word. It's starting. 